Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Be the one in a thousand that can make a life out of it. I mean, that's the person. Like, <laughs> if you're just sitting there like, this is what I'm good at, I know this is what I'm good at, and this is what my passion is, and I have no way to convert that into a life, you know? So I think I think that's a big issue with just being an artist in general or anything. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, it. There's a lot of confounding things, I'd say. But I mean, that's definitely what I've... Yeah, I, that's definitely what I've struggled the most with a lot of the times, you know? It's just like, like I said, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and I didn't have a passion for other things. And it's hard to convert that to an actual... Um, life. That's the cool thing about being a Māori artist. To show me that that was possible. Then nā koutou e te whānau, no mai hari mai ki te Paperback Gorillas, the podcast for mana-enhancing kōrero that we think is worth our time sharing and your time hearing, called Pera Barrett Tōku Ingoa. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with PNC, who's one of the best rappers in Aotearoa. Of course, we talk a bit about Sam or PNC's career as an artist in Aotearoa uh, and the pressures that come with that and the realities that come with that. But Sam's also currently studying psychology at university, and so we, we get into some, some deeper coping upper than that too. Uh, We talk about the connection between culture and mental health or wellness and Sam approaches this from his perspective as an afakasi or half-caste Samoan. We talk about the therapeutic possibilities of rap music and how it might just be the answer to road rage in Aotearoa. We covered a whole bunch of topics in this corridor and had a whole lot of fun. I hope you enjoy listening. I call Peter Barrett Tenne, this is Peter Barrett and on the uh, other end of the, the World Wide Web uh, we've got the bro Sam. Uh, I'll throw the throw the mic over to Sam to introduce himself. Yo, what's up? Yeah, my name's Sam. Uh, people probably know me better as PNC. So let's yeah, I mean let's start off with that. What are you what are you up to at the moment? What are you doing? Um, like my main thing at the moment is I'm at university, so I'm doing okay. a, um, a psychology degree. I'm just finishing it that now. I'm in my last semester. Um, and music as well at the same time. So I've been sort of over the last sort of, I started uni two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, and I sort of been working on music the whole time, working on ways to different ways of putting music out there. Um, so yeah, it's really like a balancing act between those two things. Um, uni and uni and rap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, we we were just talking before before I hit record about um, some of the you know the overlaps between the the psych uh, work that you're doing and, and the, the learning that you're doing and music um, and kind of what you want to eventually how you eventually want to put those um, things together. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And we can edit this out if you don't because you know don't want, to, don't want to reveal the reveal the idea when you're putting it together. No, no, yeah, there's, um, I guess, like, you know, music and especially rap, it's always, like, there's such a, like, a introspection or um, 
the psychology aspect of it is always pretty strong in the music it always has been like all the mm-hmm. rappers I loved growing up were, had that sort of like introspective vibe to it so and I, my mum was a counsellor and I've mm-hmm. sort of I sort of just grown up around it and I've always been real interested in it. And yeah, and it's still a long way um, down the line. Like I said earlier, before we started, I'm going to still be at uni for the next few years doing postgraduate. So it, it, I want to implement those things with those things with music, like how you can use music as a type of therapeutic nature, not just getting things off your chest or but like just the sense of achievement that you get from music and things like that whether you can combine those with um yeah with uh therapy for people um that, that stuff really interests me um mm. yeah but yeah, it's still a long way down the line how that would work but, yeah cool yeah um i was talking about a um some chats that i was having with some kids out at a college down here in Porirua about expressing yourself and uh how as a as a young man especially maori and and pacifica even more so uh we're not encouraged to articulate our emotions right um and i kind of went through this exercise with these kids and we put up these lyrics rap lyrics on the wall of you know from different artists and you know drake was an easy example it was like what do you think drake is saying when he uh with these lyrics and you know kind of going through that process with the kids are getting to the point of saying like oh you know he was saying that he's um he's obviously about to get into a relationship with somebody and he's worried about being vulnerable and he's worried about going out on a limb with this um with this person that he's getting into a relationship with um because he's been hurt before um and it was just interesting talking to them about the difference in perception of like that conversation uh, if it was just happening in front of them uh versus that happens to be in couplets on a mean beat, uh, and you know it's at the from somebody with a reputation like Drake, and they interpret that entirely different. Like it's cool, it's 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 mean that he's getting you know that song is, is mean, um, and I, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. And what I was going to say before, bro, is there was this um, I was talking as well with somebody in there. Uh, their mahi was coming into the classrooms and sitting down with uh, with boys, especially um, mostly Pacifica and, and Maori boys, and getting them to. Just, just sitting with them and being with them and letting them talk their emotions out loud amongst their peers um, and they were just talking about some of the some of the stuff that comes up in those conversations is uh, you know talking getting really deep into their emotions and that that's really unusual for them um, but because they felt comfortable with that that mentor or that teacher aid they're doing it with them um, they were able to do it yeah um, yeah and they were, talking about things like you know i wish i didn't get as many hidings from my parents and you know that this is how that makes me feel and just getting into these really um yeah actually getting these kids to articulate their emotions um, yeah yeah a, like there's a hundred different ways to do it right but the mm. more you can the better because like you either process that stuff or it just sits inside you and um yeah you know we do yeah, well, it with it i think for yeah for kids for our culture it's that sort of like uh the like you look you look up to like this idea of like stoicism of being like um that is the ultimate you know guy or um is to stiff up a lip and not talk you know yeah so it's like this i think when i like i did this music thing with um our mate wes um at his school 
And I think one of the big thing was big things was it's just even this sense of like an identity is what was like a lot of the time I think kids don't even what they liked about it was just writing I got them to just write down about their life, like simple stuff, what street they live on, you know, like things like that. Or like who their their cousins or something. And I think that's like a starting point for that. But yeah, you're right. It's like this idea of like um don't you know people look up to like all blacks who are like really it's kind of a dishonesty like (laughs) you'll ask them they'll talk and they just almost say they're not good or something you know (laughs) and and it's like what so you're you're taught to like the less you say about yourself the better you know so you have no it's kind of like this you have no identity and you shouldn't be proud of anything um you know what's the worst thing you can be a try hard you know literally to try hard or what's the yeah. best thing you can do? <laughs> don't ever try hard or like um the best thing you can be is humble like and that's mm. what the, the, how you grow up in new zealand especially mm. for i think for males so uh, and like rap is the opposite of that you know so <laughs> rap is like just constantly saying how good you are um but you know that was that's the cool thing about hip-hop is like you get this like all emotions sort of at once at this like hyper level but then you'll get this like sort of brutal honesty or this yeah this earnest nature to it that um i think like i love what is what attracted me to the music a lot um mm. yeah whereas guys like um you know going up listening to like uh tupac or something he's like it's just he'll talk about wanting to kill someone and then sticking up for women's rights and then yeah. like you know and then oh, now i want to kill myself and, you know you know just like it, it'll be all over the show so i think it's a real there's a real um difference to our culture with hip-hop that you can i've always was attracted to as a way of getting out of that culture i think a little bit yeah. and being like being um more proud to put yourself out there yeah yeah, and I mean that's like uh, you know that point around you know Park had these you know super violent aggressive uh, you know outlets basically those songs outlets for his aggression at the time uh, and then he had these these beautiful you know odes to his mum and, and all of that that other stuff and, and the, the depths of, um, of of feeling that that Park went into and that's just human right like that is literally yeah. the experience of being human like on any given day you could fluctuate between those emotions. Um, but then you're right. Like we have in New Zealand, and especially for uh, for Pacifica and for Maori, um, kind of goes another layer even above the regular New Zealand tall poppy type, uh, you know, stiff upper lip type uh, situation. Um, is that yeah? We're just we're just told to not not acknowledge that, and then you like you're 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 basically denying your humanity. You know. You're yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Right. Just pretend to be to pretend to be on an even keel all day every day, like. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and that there's you. You should be, um, you know, celebrated for never talking about anything. I mean, yeah. that does it. Just doesn't make any. It doesn't work for anyone, you know. And it's such yeah. a seems it's such an issue for people in in our country. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about the, um, yeah, your music and your career and the and and what you're up to now. What what would you say you are most proud of? Uh, in or outside of your career, actually. So I kind of started that wrong. 
Um, in music, I guess what I'm most proud of is having been able to do it for this long um, mm. and sort of never feeling like I fell off with it or something. I kind of felt like mm. I've always been like um, getting better or like learning more. And yeah, just being able to do it for, you know, I put my first album out 2006. So, it, you know, it's going on 15 years um, and I still love doing it and still have a like viable career. People are still interested in the music. And so, yeah, just, I, I guess it's so hard in this country to, um, to do it for that long. Um, mm. I've had a lot of been lucky in a lot of ways, but yeah, I think that's what I'm most proud of to have sort of built something and a body of work to be just proud of, you know, like the amount of songs I've put out and I've never felt like um, it's got worse or anything like that. Yeah. So that, yeah, what um, music that. I mean, and what about outside of music? Um, yeah, just, just where I'm at now. Um, at, you know, at my age to, you know, finishing up a degree now and sort of ha- happily married and, mm. yeah, to have got here is, uh, yeah, I'm sort of stoked with my situation now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's um, tough, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, like the, the, the last few people I've asked that same part-time, that same question, um, have have said exactly that. Like the thing that I'm most proud of is actually being able to, is, is the longevity side of it to have, yeah. to have been able to keep doing this thing um and i've kind of i've usually pre um preempted that question with the, another question of like are you doing the thing that you love at the moment um which i mean i'm assuming the answer to that is yes uh from yourself so what i mean what what do you think has meant that you have been able to keep keep going like what would have prevented you from keeping going? I, I guess might be a better question. Yeah, I guess I okay, what you're saying. If everyone, other people have said that it is like that sort of you toughed it out when it, it when it got hard or something, you know. Like, so what would have prevented me? I see. There's a lot of things along the line. You you're like, I could have, I'd done this or done that. And, it might have happened. I, I actually think for myself, for music, I think it's kind of been like always sort of like, like I never like blew up or had like a number one song or something. And I actually think in some ways that was, has been better for my longevity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you have, I just sort of, I, who knows, but I, I sort of wonder about that sometimes. Like you're just always in this, I've always sort of stayed at this level where I'm just sort of solidly making music, but I've never, never got like too carried away with it, you know? So, yeah. or like I never like completely had some huge failure or something, you know? And I guess like a lot of people in music or whatever, if you have a super high, then it's a long way down, you know? So yeah, I, I, I'm kind of happy with that. So, um, but yeah, I just, I think I just stuck at it so long because I just still love the music, always have loved making music and it's the process of making music is what I like the most, like mm-hmm. by far, it's, it's writing the songs, um, 
being in the studio and putting the song together and then that feeling of when the song's done like that's by far what i love the most about uh, making music it's not the as much the you know even performing or um yeah like hearing people's reaction to be honest it's more <laughs> it's really just the the process of making it that i like so I, mm-hmm. I guess that helps a lot with if you if you're more into performing or you're more into like you, you want to see people's reaction more than anything then i can see how that would get disheartening if it didn't, mm. didn't work you know so i think that's helped me a lot yeah i mean that's that kind of that probably rounds out that first that first thing you said right like if you're if you're motivated by the process and that process is something that you are completely in control of um and you don't have to uh yeah the whether or not that feedback loop is completed is entirely up to you right it, it, yeah 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 like the audience reaction has no bearing on it exactly Um, yeah yeah i think my like validation from being a musician just comes from making a song and and being mm. proud of the song when it's done it's not from the response to it or how Mm. successful it is outside it's so i just keep making them (laughs) because i'm like that's all i that's that's the high i get is when the song's done you know Mm. Yeah. Do you think that that's, I mean, you know, you, uh, your outrageous call before where you, you said that, you know, a lot of rappers about, um, you know, talking about yourself and how much of the man you are, um, <laughs> which is obviously exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> like, do you think that that plays a part? Because I was, I was going to ask, there's, and it's the only real genre that I've ever paid any real attention to, so I, I've got no real frame of reference, but hip-hop in New Zealand has always seemed to have a... Um, a, a super short tenure right like people come in and go hard and then they tend to and then a lot of them disappear um from as in from the from the public eye i guess like they might come mm. out with a commercial song and then and then they have no more songs that 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 you ever hear of or see um and do you think that's got something to do with with what you just said like the you know some people probably get into hip-hop for that audio audience reaction and for that validation of them talking about how much of the man or, or how, how good they are, how much of the woman they are um, that, you know, that that's that's obviously an easy thing to get disheartened from Yeah. When once that feedback loop stops, right? And so yeah. it's like, oh, what am I doing it for? I'm out of here. For sure. I, I, I'm definitely sure there's some people like that who you know have big dreams of like being superstars and it doesn't work out Obviously, mm-hmm. that happens. Um, to, but to just be a musician, like you can't. It's so hard to be a full time musician as it is mm-hmm. right, in New Zealand. Like no matter how successful you are, so to try and be. Also, if you have a passion for it, you're try. You really want to do it full time and give give it your all. But then it's like, pretty much financially, it's so hard to do. After mm-hmm. a while, it's just like you know responsibilities start coming into life for a lot of people i'm sure and then it's sort of like that sort of idea where like oh well i gave it a go but now i gotta do actual life you know yeah and then and then that means i can't do can't rap right like i feel like yeah, that's yeah. weird uh, like it, for a lot of people it does seem to be uh, kind of all or nothing you know and, and that's yeah weird. I guess if that's the motivation, like your motivation is actually to be seen as a anything, um, then you kind of have to stop because if no one sees you, then you have no feedback loop, right? You have no motivation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's a, it's, like a, you said. 
it's a weird situation in New Zealand where you could have like you could be super successful and super more like super famous, but yeah. it's actually like not viable to be <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as a living. So you yeah. you find yourself in weird situations, you know, like whereas like you're as yeah like you're as famous as like a, well not famous as as sort of successful as someone in the states would be they'd be millionaires but here mm. you're you know you're probably still starting off on the like pace benefit or something you're still on there yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah it's it's so hard trying to do music in new zealand and um mm. yeah i mean i had a lot of things sort of go my way a lot of it's just that it's just me after a while mm. and then it's so it's more viable for just one person um but yeah, bro, it's a hard, it's a hard task. Mm. Meanwhile, yeah, bro, congratulations on uh, on on carrying on doing it and, and on evolving, right? And and on doing things differently, you know. There's um, you know, like the the fate the public thing is kind of completely different to we, you know, what you were doing in 2006 or even you know 2003 when your um, breakout single um, "Be My Heart" um, <laughs> went, uh, you know, it was released. Yeah, yeah, went platinum in the hood. <laughs> um, no, nah, but you know, like that is that is actually something to be to be proud of and to um, to, to celebrate and to be stoked with. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, and then, so I guess, like, part of the kind of part of the the co-papa and the purpose of this podcast is about um, hopefully talking through how you've gone about getting to the point of of doing the work that you love. So, um, how did you get to this point? I guess of uh, yeah, of being on the path to doing the work that you love, because uh, you know, if, if we think you're always evolving and, you, and you're you're um, always adapting to, um, you know, always adapting that passion and that love of the process to to do it differently, um, how did you get to the point of being able to do that? Um, do you mean right now, like, or just no, nah, like, I guess, yeah, getting like, how how did you how did you find that you loved music? Right. Yeah, I, I I think I always, I always just, music was the most important thing to me, like, since I could, I can remember, like, anything, because I, I remember, like, I used to tape music videos um, off TV when I was, like, like, four or five, you know, and yeah. um, I think that's not as normal for, you know, kids that are more into, like, cartoons or something, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to watch, like, Bobby Brown videos, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, music's always been sort of the most important thing to me. I guess it's really just African-American culture in all ways, sports as well. It was just, I was just obsessed with it. Um, mm. So I always had this uh, next level love for music. And then I guess the main part from becoming a musician was in school, there was nothing that I really gravitated towards. Um, there was, yeah. And I knew that I'd always, I would never do something I didn't love, you know? Um, mm. And I sort of had, yeah, I had my mum was sort of raised me like that, you know, you got to find something you love. And it, yeah, there was nothing sort of academic-wise that I gravitated towards. So when I'd finished school, I just was, it was sort of coincided when, with the time where I got a, sort of obsessed with how music was made, you know? It was especially like people like uh, sort of Jay-Z and Outkast in the late 90s. I was just like really influenced by that music and really the idea of songwriting, writing lyrics. Um, 
so it was kind of just it was a lot of was there was nothing else I wanted to do so it yeah. just like it, it, yeah it wasn't like oh I guess a lot of people sometimes are picking between what they want to do you know as their career they're like oh I'll do this career later or you know what I mean Mm. I, I I was never like well I'll start my studies in uh, accounting or something soon, but you know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like this is actually what I'm. My biggest passion is is, is hip hop music, and um, it just I just it just sort of naturally happened. Yeah, it was an organic kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's that like it's interesting to hear that you um, you know there was nothing that you gravitated towards that at school but that's true for I don't know I feel like probably 80% of, of kids at school right true um, yeah. so then uh, it kind of sounds like for you the the key was more that um, understanding or belief that you should do something that you love yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. From, which, which sounds like it came from your mum and that that is probably I don't know that sounds like a, a key uh, factor right and getting to the point of of doing the thing that you love yeah. because without that understanding and without that belief there's, there's probably two things right like the understanding that you uh, you should and then there's the believing that you can mm. um, yeah 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 you know, find follow follow your dream do the thing that you love because yeah. uh, you know when when I was at school like I, I always wanted to be a rapper um, yeah. you know and so did probably ten other kids at school mm. uh, and probably the only reason that I went and tried to, and you know, I mean, I, I'm, I was a rapper in the sense that I wrote raps, um, yeah. you know, like I, I went and, and, and tried rapping, writing raps probably just because I had those role models like my mum and dad and, and aunties and uncles who did things that they loved doing. And that yeah. was, uh, you know, by, by, uh, by osmosis, I just believed that I could do the thing that I wanted to do because I saw them doing the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think even my my mum was never like, "You got to do what you love," or something like. She was yeah. more like, it was more <laughs> like, thing "I will tell you." Yeah. Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't as much that, but it was more the, the like wouldn't tell you not to do something. You know? Yeah. Because okay. I, yeah. I had like people in my life that were like, oh, "What is that? Get a real job or something?" You know, yeah. like, or you need to be at uni studying this and that when and sort of forcing something to happen um yeah that could have easily derailed me doing music you know um i think there's heaps of my setup was like even being an only child i think there's like mm. yeah you don't have like um <laughs> yeah i think only children just think they can do whatever they want you know <laughs> like, in some ways. like i heard yeah. this thing the other day that said um it said like only children aren't as jealous of people as uh, they don't have feel jealousy as much, but it's because they have like such strong narcissism that they can't understand. <laughs> they don't even comprehend someone being more better or more important. <laughs> so I think like they're, it's they're, never they're, <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, I'm not jealous of him. How can that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> He's obviously. Not, yeah, not on my level obviously nah but that's like over the top you know but like I think there's a little bit of that where you yeah so I I was like an only child with a um, solo mum who was always just real supportive and whatever I wanted to do so I, I was real lucky with that setup that um I could 
pursue something like that and not be told, you know, you need to do something else. If it, mm. you know, however long it was taking or something. And I didn't have responsibilities. Like I didn't have kids young or mm. yeah, I didn't get married or anything. So I didn't have the same kind of responsibilities. So yeah, a lot of things sort of worked in my favor that way. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like if I think to when I, um, uh, when I dropped out of uni, I mean, dropped out of uni with three papers left so it's kind of like the dumbest time to drop out of uni but uh, yeah. after my car accident when I um, I realised like oh I'm not loving the, the process of uni um, so I and kind of had that moment of going shit like I shouldn't be spending I shouldn't be even engaging in this process then if I'm not, not loving it and enjoying it and, to, and I remember telling mum that you know I'm going to drop out of uni because uh, you know, I feel like what I should be doing right now is focusing on music. Like I, I'm really loving that. Um, yeah. Like that was the that that moment was was in that moment she was exactly that person that you've just described. Right? She was. She didn't say you're like that's ridiculous. You've got three papers left. You should finish off your degree. Mm. She was just kind of like, all right. Well, you know, you do do what you got to do. Yeah, because um, I think know, I think it's important. Just do what you love. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. I, I think we probably they were the same. Where I think the worst thing is is if you got to forty years old or something and you hadn't given it a go exactly, of something yeah. you loved, because that mm. regret that will never go away. You know. Yeah. And like, well, because yeah, you never even tried it. You know. Whereas mm. if you've at least given it all, you can all you can whether it's whatever it is like music sport or i don't know whatever you want to be a painter or something like um just you have to i think it's important to um try to do it at least and i think they probably recognize that as well you know because you yeah, yeah. You, yeah that, that's like my biggest fear is like you know resenting things later in life or yeah that's that's not healthy for anyone no nah. Was there a, a moment for you when, um, like the, when you kind of realised that, you know that 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 dream that you'd had of like you know, uh, you know from being obsessed with culture and being obsessed with the process of making music, was now a reality? Like was was something that you were actually living? Um, um yeah, I guess when I sort of um, came out to Auckland, and. I guess when I started doing music with, especially with like um, Dirty and P Money and um, I guess, I mean, that's when I actually had a record contract. So, but I guess, I guess earlier than that, it was when people recognized that they or told me they liked the music, you know, because mm-hmm. you kind of, something like that, when you're that young, you're like, I love this and I am trying my hardest to make it but then you just kind of don't know whether you're good or not. You, you might feel like, oh, I think I'm good, and then you find out you're not at all or something. <laughs> so I guess it was when other people from outside of my friend group and stuff sort of started reacting to the music. It's when I was like, oh, yeah, this could maybe I maybe I can do this a bit. And then properly when I moved up to Auckland and started doing shows with um, on a bigger scale and started releasing music and stuff. Um, yeah, that's when I started thinking I, I'd, not that I'd made it, but that I'd got got to a point where I wasn't just a bedroom rapper anymore, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, 
and speaking of being a bedroom rapper, like I remember in uh, when you were living in Wellington and you got the um, the call to sign to sign to um, Breaking Records, yeah, uh, and that that was a that that was a you know something that you needed to sit down and kind of really think about because I think it meant like I think that was when you were going to move up to Auckland, right? I can't really remember yeah. the whole thing, but I remember it being like something that you needed to to really sort out in your head. Um, how did that? thought process go because that was obviously a key decision that you made in your you know in that path to um yeah like you said not making it but but um actually kind of really doing the thing that you love on a different scale yeah i guess it's like that you you gotta take a leap of faith you know like and i think it's like you're saying i it was a situation where i just the last thing i wanted to was to regret that i hadn't given it a go um and yeah, I just wanted, like I said, it was it was what I all I cared about really, you know. Um, when I was in Wellington, um, when I first met you, I was doing like a course at the time, but it was just a part time thing for me. Really, I didn't have any major motivation to do it. Um, and yeah, all I loved was trying to make music and get better at making music. So it was it was more like a situation of well, what else am I going to do right now? You know, I <laughs> go back to. Um, fielding and work at KFC again like or yeah give this a go so it was just sort of spending all your money or stay in Wellington and keep spending all your money at Zeebo's exactly yeah so yeah it, it wasn't that hard of a decision really I mean like I said it wasn't a situation where I was leaving something else behind or choosing between two lives or something it was I was young enough where I felt like I could I could give it a go. Um, my uncle lived up in Wellington. He was happy for me to stay with him while I got on my feet. And, yeah, things sort of moved rapidly um, when I got there. So, yeah, it paid off quickly. Mm, I mean, yeah. Um, the kind of jumping back a little bit to the, um, the talk that we were having before around studying, um, because, I mean, you sound like whenever I think through people doing, and myself as well, doing things that they love or, like, really enjoying their life, it always seems like there's a, a purpose behind that process. And then, um, you know, like you say, they try they try the thing, try the, to start that process, and then they find that they love that process, and that's then what, you know, kind of completes that feedback loop, right? You go, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm motivated enough to try it, to take that leap of faith, like you said, um, and that whenever I, you know, usually when I've seen that and for myself, it's normally you have that, you take that leap of faith because you believe in what it might achieve, not so much in the fact that you might love the process. Um, So like, Vera, do you feel like you have an underlying purpose in in getting to that process? So like a reason for making music Um, or is it just literally like just the feedback loop of loving the process? Because I mean, that is, that's obviously enough to keep you going. Yeah, I think, I guess I just, it's doing something creative. I think I've always had a thirst to do something creative at all times to be, like when I was a little kid, I just used to um, sketch um, pictures of uh, basketball players or something. Like, you know, it's just always that I have to be doing something that's creative. Um, And that obviously moved into music. And that, that's a big part of it but then even moving into university now it, it's still just writing it's the process of writing and um, uni is cool because you 
you're writing an essay and it's finished, it's done, and then you get a grade for it and stuff. So it's it's that same creative process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just that daily that itch that I need to do something a, a creative. Um, I have to be working on something like that every day. That's in my on my head uh, in my head, you know, um, that I'm focused on. So that's the that's the sort of broad idea. I think I, I can't ever remember. Yeah, being alive and not being trying to do something creative. Yeah, or like sport. Yeah. When I played sport, it's all just like at high school and stuff. It's all basketball is just creative as well. You know, it's all <laughs> it's all the same. Were you um, from memory? And maybe this is just because I thought all of me and all of my mates were doing it. But were you kind of more half-assed when you were studying at uni in Wellington? Yeah, I was only doing a I was doing a design course. Um, and that was like, yeah, definitely was half-assed, like, um, something I kind of was into. Um, but even when I was doing that, I was always trying to like move it towards like putting like wrappers or something in the design stuff, you know? So you could just, you could even look back at that work and you'd just be like, this guy just likes rap and basketball, you know? Um, (laughs) uh, so it was one of those things when you're doing it, you're like, I'm, I don't actually want to do this as a job, you know? I guess like even what you're saying at uni, you're like, I I have no passion for this, but this is cool. I get to, this is uh, something I get to go to daily and I can flat in Wellington and be there for a reason other than just on the dole or something. But um, yeah, so it was definitely a a heart. uh, I wasn't giving it my full heart. Real quickly at the start, I realized it wasn't something I wanted to do majorly and my focus was more on music here. Paperback Gorillas is brought to you by Carpety Island Honey, the finest honey on Nah, we're not really sponsored. Carpety Island Honey is just the koha that we give to our manuhiri or guests to say thank you for their time. But as well as the decent chunk of time that it takes us to prepare, have and share these kōrero, it does also cost us the financial equivalent of a few nice meals out each month just to host and record them and to then get them out to listeners like yourself. Now we pay that cost because we believe the kopapa is worth it and we believe that the matauranga or the knowledge that our manuhiri or guests have spent a lifetime learning is worth paying to share with you. Uh, if you believe that as well and you've enjoyed this episode then please think about donating by becoming a patron. To thank you for your support you'll get exclusive access to the episodes and kōrero before the rest of the world. I'll send you behind the scenes footage and videos whenever I can as well as my favourite whakaro and favourite learnings from each of the episodes uh, which I take the time to write down after each kōrero. Uh, all of these are exclusive to our paperback Gorilla Fano and patrons uh, and you can only get them by heading to patreon.com slash paperback gorillas and signing up to be a patron that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-a-p-e-r-b-a-c-k-g-u-e-r-r-i-l-l-a-s this is also the part of the show where i send a big mihi a big thank you to the patrons currently supporting our kopapa so atafai tana anaru anna arama and lincoln thank you for your support thank you for helping keep the podcast going Kia ora. Being connected to something bigger, uh, like culture, is a is a big part of mental health, right? And we've kind of we've talked about that before. Um, do you think being half caste, so kind of living in those those two worlds, has has helped you in your sense of um, 
uh, not sense of, but helped you in your mental health and how you feel about yourself or, or maybe um, yeah, it definitely has. I think, um, like, I I always come from the um, place of where I think I, I'm being a half caste has been a massive advantage um, growing up. Uh, whereas a lot of things you read or there's sort of this narrative that half caste people are confused, you know, um, not you know, you're not brown enough to be. I'm not white enough to be white, you know. Um, but I, it's a, a lot with how I was raised. You know, my mum, I was raised by my mum who's white in a white family. I didn't have anything to do with my Samoan side. But I obviously look really Samoan or brown. So mm. I'm, I'm treated by the world as <laughs> Samoan, but I actually grew up in this uh, white family, uh, Pakia family. Um, but my mum was always proud of me being Samoan and was always talked to me about, um, you know, my Samoan side. Um, so I had a real, like, uh, I felt I belonged to both while also being half cast is, is its own thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm always, I always feel like, um, people, like if you look at all the, so many people around the world that are so successful and especially the things we like, they are, they are half casts, you know? So like it is, it is its own culture. It shouldn't be, um, you know, looked down on or, so I, I, I mean, I even wrote this paper at uni called The Half-Caste Advantage because <laughs> you had to write about something, some cultural thing. And a lot of the uh, literature I read was all this stuff about how do um, half-castes, um, how to help them with being confused or something, <laughs> or like just studying why, you know, how they feel out of place in the world. And I was kind of like, hey, in my head, I'm like, I've never felt like that. But I think I... Like I said, I, my upbringing helped a lot with that. Um, mm. But I always, like, and I still see it like that, like I feel um, at ease in all situations, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I never felt like a, I felt like half-caste is its own culture. Um, mm. Yeah. And there's probably like a, um, like you have, you have a, a doubled ability to empathize, right? Like, I think when, I mean, you know, if you look at, ignorance and racism and all that stuff like is ultimately about an inability to empathize and to go oh cool somebody is different to me and you know they might experience the world differently to me and you know that's all good uh yeah yeah like racism always is just i this is how i see the world and how i experience the world is the world uh and full stop you know it's like um you know, we automatically get this ability to go, cool, like I can see that perspective and I can see that perspective. And therefore, without even going into the details of those perspectives, I know that there is more than one truth or reality or experience or interpretation of the world and this problem or whatever the thing is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you, you see it from both sides. And yeah, like I said, my, my family, my household was um, Pakia and even Palmerston North is quite a like, like, Pakia sort of um, place, but then yeah, I different. I am brown, so I've encountered like racism in life and stuff. Like, mm. like I remember when I was little and um, we first moved to Fielding, and um, there was these. We were, I was reading a magazine in the store, and then these kids stole a magazine beside me. These white kids, and they took mm. off, and then um, I left as well. 
and they test me. <laughs> they like, they like, um, yeah, they were like searching me for the magazines and stuff. And I was, I was like, it's the first time I, I can remember it. I was like, they literally just hit me up because I was the brown one when those yeah. guys took it. Um, so yeah, you kind of know how it is both ways. Um, and yeah, I've always thought of it, like I said before, like an advantage in life where you mm. can, um, you can see both all perspectives and, um, yeah, you you feel comfortable in all those realms and it, it does give you a broader way of, um, yeah, just understanding society, I guess. Yeah. That's the, um, that is the, like the other half of the being followed, just being followed around the store, right? Like being mm. followed around the store and it being assumed that you're going to steal something because you're brown. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, some some Pakeha kids just stole something and I'm going to assume that it was you because you're brown like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly man <laughs> yeah it's, it was crazy um back to the kind of the some of the the mental health stuff like some of my um my favorite music of yours is the has always been the the more introspective stuff um and you know we talked a little bit about journaling and that's more more commonplace and more popular and 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 more more trendy i guess now um and rap for me personally like that has always been the the part of the process that has motivated me has just been the the journaling and, and articulating that um those thoughts and um and having that process happen uh, is, is why I still like that's the, that's the only kind of rap that I still do now is really just me processing that stuff and introspection. Like, how do you think your own uh, your own music as a as an introspection tool and reflection tool has has helped you? Um, yeah, I it, it it's kind of hard to say. Like, I think a lot of uh, the therapeutic nature of music for me is more like the achievement of making something that's like mm. what I that's sort of the major part it's not as much like I need to get all my feelings off my chest and on the page or something but it's in a it definitely does like I think when you're writing raps or when I'm writing raps it's sort of this like this uh, dual identity of like the rapper and actually you and I think a lot of the writing is sort of like a tension of that that's always sort of going on. And you're sort of like, you're sort of like hyper reality. And then you're like actual life. And you'll, yeah, it's like we've talked about a lot, like sort of things will creep in or it gives you this forum where you'll be something that, you'll say something that's really honest about yourself or that you haven't maybe thought of that way or it, the process of writing has got you to um, some point where you actually hadn't really thought of things like that. That might sound a bit confusing, but do you know what I mean? Are you kind of yeah. like, yeah, you'll arrive at things or, or almost like summarize a feeling in a line. So you'll mm. summarize something that's about your life in one line or about your, yeah, yeah, whatever's happening. And then you, I guess that all helps at the end of the day, you know? Um, but yeah, I guess I'm just, that's what all the my favorite rappers growing up sort of did that. It was sort of like these the stuff I liked the most was sort of this chain of thought that was this would be you know, these guys like Nas or something or um, the early Jay Z stuff and it's sort of like this grandiose like self image 
and then the next line will just be this like next level vulnerability or I'm a yeah, piece of yeah. shit or something. <laughs> then like, so it's all this like yeah, working on this. Uh, it's like this yeah, complete int- introspection and um, yeah, it is kind of like mining how you're dealing with life, you know. Um, but because you are also, it's, is this performance as well? It, it is a way that it sort of sneaks in there, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, do you have any other forms of kind of uh, self therapy or or reflection that you indulge in? Um, I mean, therapeutic stuff. It's it's more like exercise or something. Um. Uh. Or like, yeah, a lot of like exercise, listening to like podcasts or reading and that kind of stuff. Um, but as of my own, I mean, being at university, there's a lot of like I, you're just writing the whole time, doing that Bachelor of Arts, especially, and you. So it's just writing in general. I think really, really helps you, um, yeah, deal deal with things. And it's like it's like you're talking about. You just don't. A lot of the time is you're repressing things, not talking, and I guess writing mm-hmm. is an outlet. Um, and uni forces you to do that the whole time as well. You know? well what about the, um, uh, you know, a lot of artists, especially, have uh, run into issues with mental health. Um, do you think, and this is potentially an unanswerable question, but do you think? Um, that's because artists go through those uh go through their emotions like through the process of art so regularly uh and then come across those things like you said you know those bits kind of sneak in that you that you weren't necessarily expecting um because sometimes those things aren't going to be good right it's going to be like you know if it's that vulnerability or it's that weakness or it's that you know some some self you know some self-hate or something like that sneaks in there um yeah do you think that's why so many artists have those issues or do you think it's because to be an artist you kind of have to have that degree of empathy and um potentially a bit more emotional you know to to kind of convert that emotion into art um yeah it's kind of the chicken or the egg question i don't know if there's a point to that question really it's just (laughs) pondering no, yeah, I, yeah. I I don't think I have the answer for that, but I think I think you, I know what you mean. I think you artists in general have like a predisposition to being sort of more like and just emotive people, you know. Um, so that's going to be a double-edged sword, you know. You're going to like feel more emotion, <laughs> you know, if that's what. Yeah. So there's a lot of things with being an artist. Like I think just the fact that society doesn't really validate your your that as a profession or it's you know unless you crack it you know you go so unless you're the absolute best in killing it you're you're it's not real what you do you're you just do a hobby you know when i mean it it sucks if that's what you're good at is being artistic you know and your only choice is to absolutely destroy everyone and be the best and, and like be the one in a thousand that can make a life out of it. I mean, that's mm. depressing. Like <laughs> if you're just sitting there, yeah. like, this is what I'm good at. I know this is what I'm good at. And this is what my passion is. And I have no way to convert that into a life, you know? So I think, I think that's a big 
pursue with just being an artist in general at anything. Um, mm. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, it. There's a lot of confounding things, I'd say. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's definitely what I've, yeah, I, that's definitely what I've struggled the most with a lot of the times, you know? It's just like, like I said, we just, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and I didn't have a passion for other things. And it's mm. hard to convert that to an actual um, life, uh, a profession, you know? Yeah. And yeah, again, I guess like back to that, that influencing factor, right? Like you had, you had your mum there saying like, actually, uh, you should do something that you love, you know, not necessarily in those words, but had that belief there, which yeah, for a lot of, a lot of other people who don't even necessarily get to the point of starting to try to be an artist, right? They probably still have like, there's probably 999 other kids out there who had that urge to be creative uh, and they knew that they were good at, at rapping or they knew they could be good at rapping, but just never tried to do it, you know? Um, yeah. Could, for reason, like, well, what's, like, what am I going to do? Be, I'm not going to be Drake, so. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. And help mum with the rent, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Or even in New Zealand where you could have a number one song, like I said before, you have a number one song and still not be able to pay the rent. Like, <laughs> it's a, yeah, man, it's hard. as Māori and Pacifica and as men um, you know we get exposed to a lot of that that stoicism kind of stiff upper lip um, uh, expectation like you like you're talking about before and you know strong is good and being aggressive is, and that's you know that's what's expected of you um, and you've had your uh, you know while I, while I said I enjoy your more introspective uh, music um, you've had your, your share of, of kind of in music beef as well um, yeah. how important do you think that that music has been for you as an outlet of aggression, um, and and I and I say that because you know it's, um, it's interesting seeing you know watching all of us grow from being uh, at times angry young men um, to to the point of being able to control that anger and do something uh, intentional and um, and good with it. So yeah, I guess what's your What's your thoughts on uh, on rap conflict and uh, and keeping it healthy? Uh, the benefits of it. <laughs> yeah, I think like the ag- aggression nature you're talking about. I, I think it definitely is good um, when you can work out how to channel it into the music. Just like people uh, channel aggression through, um, you know, boxing or something. Um, I, I feel the same with it with music. Like a lot of music, even in my later career. What I liked was, I sort of liked the being putting in there like sort of provocative nature of making music and sort of pushing the edge of like how aggressive can it be, you know? And it almost like a approaching the music more like a someone who's making a movie and they just have like some insane violence in it or something. I kind of like that being in, being able to put that in music. So like, um, I think you're definitely right. Like it. Um, it helps as an outlet for that. You can just like, just get on a song and just, you know, be as angry as you want to be, you know, or like arrogant as you want and sort of get that out. And I think it helps a lot. I mean, rap beef with other people is like, that's a funny thing. I don't know if you'd like many people after like any type of beef. It's it's almost like, it's like a lot of wrestling kind of, it's like, it's not real, you know, like, 
or it's just people getting like offended by nothing and I don't know if you like after those things have happened I don't I doubt many people are like man that was awesome how we had that beef or how I had that beef you know <laughs> so it's not as much that I don't love that part but um I definitely like channeling uh being able to ch- channel uh, aggression into something um and I like the I guess I like the it's the competitive nature of music as well of hip hop music that I that's cool you know you're always trying to like be the best or you know be better than the next dude um it's just natural so yeah I like guess I'll kind of um clarify that as well for our uh, our our listeners like I'm not talking about the 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 wanton destruction aggression um yeah that I hear rap I'm talking about when you're when you're beefing with another rapper and you are um like you said it's more like wrestling it's contained it's self-contained in a in a specific context and and there's moves right like there's mm. there's a great ways that you can do it and um you know all going to plan that that stays there and that there's that doesn't go outside of that um containment outside of the the, the genre or the the medium of music i guess um mm. and it becomes a you know it's essentially a sport it's the same as you know um running it up on the on the rugby field yeah 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 it is it is music rap especially is a funny thing because i think i think it's like like i said before it's kind of like a hyper reality a lot of the times there's the rapper and then there's the actual you in the actual world and Mm. and it can get real like confused at times you know um but yeah it's all that's all part of rapping and it's and it's confusing for listeners as well, I guess. Like you know, if you think about the, you know, some of the quoted or the kind of the conversations at the moment, especially around drill, um, yep. you know, like you know, the not that that conversation hasn't happened a million times before already, but like there's a difference between, you know, there, there's gangsters who jump on on uh, into the genre as well and make music, and they were always acting like that. Yeah, um, and that's that's quite different to jumping on a song and you know competing with another rapper. Um, and going in on them, uh, you know, that's those are quite different things. Yeah, yeah, it's even funnier in New Zealand. Like, you, <laughs> I think you people see like overseas and there's like people beef or whatever, diss each other. And they're never going to see each other, you know. And then in New Zealand, you like will see that person walking down the street, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, if it's like a healthy competition thing that's just rap like mm. uh, like I love that kind of shit like I even like did you also, did you watch the Michael Jordan documentary The Last Dance did you watch it oh, yeah. uh, there's, this thing, there's this part in it where he um, he plays this dude from the Bullets um, and he says that this guy plays good he's a, he's a no name dude and he plays good against the Bulls and he um, Michael Jordan <laughs> says that he went up to him and told him Hey, good game, and it pissed Michael Jordan off. And then he went and told everyone in the, the, the interviewed him. Uh, he said, "Good game to me," and it pissed me off. So he went and smoked them the next time. And then he says in the interview, he's like, "Yeah, I just made it up. I made it all up." He's like, he never said that. <laughs> and he was like, he says he did it, and he was like, "I um, I just needed something to inspire me. <laughs> I needed to like, I needed some edge to do it." And I think I cracked up because I think you even do that. I even do that with like rap, like um, if you like go down and make the song and sort of make things up in your, or like 
someone's said something where you're like, uh, that could be about me or something, and then you just push it to being about you, even though it's not about you. Or <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it'll you yeah. need something to like push you towards getting to another place and um, yeah, inspiring you to write something like that, especially when you're just writing writing some like boastful rap, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. you need to be proving it to somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to sometimes create these situations. <laughs> That's crack up. I just made up that whole <laughs> made up that whole conversation. But you know, the placebo effect and um, <laughs> and man, I smoked them. Yeah. yeah, you should watch it. It's funny how he explains how he see. Yeah, I, I just made it up because <laughs> he's, like, he's not embarrassed about it at all. He's just like, well, no, I needed that to. Like uh, kill him the next time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on my on the next three on my list of things to to watch. Uh, um, talking about role models, uh, what's what what's one role model you've had in life outside of music uh, who made a real difference to how it turned out? Um, role model. I mean, it, my biggest role model was always just my mum. I guess, mm. like, of people, I mean, role models that I actually knew. Um, yeah. Was, yeah, definitely was my mom. Like, inspiration to, uh, or sort of like, more so just of how to, her worldview, <laughs> her, like, sort of like, sense of justice or whatever. Um, mm. Yeah, that was kind of, and I still always, I mean, you know, everything I do is sort of like influenced by her. Um, ideas, mm. you know. So definitely, yeah, I'm always thinking like, what would my mum think of this, or how? Mm. Yeah, and, and it's sort of like a lot of the way that like uh, society has developed over the last ten years or something, and um, it, things my mum was always like going on about growing up, you know, like mm. is to do with um, social injustice in a lot of different ways or anything. So yeah, it would definitely be my mum role model wise. Mm. Mm. Um, what about a, a role model within music? And like you said, that you know, you know, your mum was was the biggest in terms of people that you knew. I guess just in thinking of terms of impact that you had. And so I'm interested to know if that was someone that you knew, or if it was you know someone who you saw from afar. Um, yeah, which I mean, of those had the bigger impact? Yeah, role model for. I mean the role model for music in general, like of a famous person was always Jay-Z was, I mean, he's like, I would, I got so into his music at high school that that was always the dude that I was trying to emulate or whatever, you know? Um, So, but with role models, I mean, I had more like mentors than I'd say Mm. growing up um, when I first got into music, like especially pay money. um, Mm -hmm. I was like insanely lucky that when I, my first album, you know, this guy who's the best producer in New Zealand showed me how to make an album, you know? I was in the, mm. you know, this like um, York Street Studios with him working on an album for like a few months, you know? Mm. So, that, yeah, definitely he was like a, a huge mentor. Um, Dave as well, Dave Dallas, like, I'd, I'd say that's, that's the way to explain it more. Like they were a step ahead of me and they sort of showed me um, how to how to do things from my position, you know. So mm. as I was insanely lucky in those ways. Um, uh, uh, meet those two guys first. Um, 
sort of be work closest with them early in my career, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, that's the, yeah, that, that is the def- the definition of a mentor, right? Like someone who can, who can actually say, I've, I've, I'm a little, little bit ahead of you and I'm, I've got the, the capability and the desire to go, I'll show you how to get along to this point that I've got to. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to think of you. Like, do you ever think about the fact that you are now in that position? Uh, like, not just in music, right? Like, I think about um, like position being enjoyment and uh, contentment, and like living living a life that you're happy living, right? Like, like I said before, mm. like you kind of stoked stoked with the position that you're in now. You're happy, you're married, you're studying, you're, you know, you don't have the regret of, of not not doing music and you've kept doing music um, at, a, at a super high level. Uh, yeah, do you do you think of yourself as a role model now? Um, yeah, role model is like a, a funny or term. mentor. Yeah, yeah. It's more like, it is like a, a mentor thing like and, and definitely along the way i made like a lot of huge mistakes um so yeah I'm definitely don't want people to you know make the mistakes i've made so um but like you said I'm, i am really happy where i've got to and i am proud of my career as a musician so i'm definitely always keen to um help people out and you know just give advice where i can or if people want to know the people that i feel like i have a connection with or even at like university like you know i know there were key things that got me like when i started university i just started it i wasn't thinking about a career at all i just wanted like a structure in life you know mm-hmm. I wanted, music was sort of it was transitioning for me how i was approaching music and i was like mm-hmm. i need more of this daily structure and then there were certain things that happened like certain like i don't know like a um, tutor or something that like it's um you know told me certain things along the way and then there'll be younger students that I I will help with now because I just want to help them the same way I know that key thing that guy told me that changed my mm. whole perspective you know what I mean so mm. I think you gotta do things like that you gotta give back to help people um, along the way and those people are so important when you look back at where you got to like where I've got to with all these things there's been people along the way that gave me a, a leg up you know Mm. Mm. yeah and i mean it's like that the the those two words right like role model versus mentor like i always think of role model as being someone who like you don't necessarily have their actively showing you or holding your hand or saying like hey here's the step that i took um you can take that same step but they kind of are indirectly just by doing that thing and by by being visible in in what they do and um you know like back to that all that we were having before about like uh you know new zealand and and especially again maori and pacifica like the tall poppy thing that we have where you know you don't talk about the stuff that you've done like that's where that hurts us especially i think and especially as as um pacifica and as maori like there's a whole bunch of role models that we have and a whole bunch of stats and a whole bunch of society's expectations you know you being chased out of the store because you know you're brown um <laughs> like that we have to fight against i think by by being those role models even you know not necessarily for those people who aren't at uni in the same lecture theater as you like they get still get to see you right like so there's still kids in palmy who go oh man yeah pence from here 
Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he made these mean albums, and and fuck now he's studying at uni. Like, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think I would ever go to uni. Um, firstly, because it's not cool. Secondly, because no one that I know has done it. But like, PNC's like me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like you say, it's like a lead by example sort of thing. Um, and like I said, a lot of my career is sort of, I'm. I guess when you start out music, there's probably this idea of like what success is, you know, mm. um, and it's this, you know, I'm going to go <laughs> number one and then I just, you know, <laughs> think I'll change everyone's lives with my albums. You know? <laughs> it's not really, um, and then anything other than that you think of it would probably be a failure. So I guess, yeah, mm. yeah I, I, I'd, I guess I'd say that like um, you can actually not have to achieve to that superstar status or something, have a long yeah, career. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you where I got to, I'm real happy with it, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess in that way, be an example to stick at it, you know? Mm. Comes down to what we we're talking about, like the, the process, right? Like if your, if your motivation is the process, um, then it doesn't actually matter what the level of success, you know, like that is the success. Like you, you, you completing the process, uh, finishing the, the mahi, fin- doing that thing, like that's, that's success, right? Yeah. And I noticed that in a lot of the dudes I know that are still doing it, have been doing it this long. It's what, that's what their motivation is. Like, um, mm. like Peter T, he's, he just loves record, like writing and recording, you know, um, David mm. Dallas, uh, you know, all the same dudes. Like, I think they all have that same. That's what inspires them, and if that, like you're saying, if that can, that will never end. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, it's yeah. not up to anyone else. It's just you making the yeah. music, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you said before that you know part of your part of your um self-therapy is, is reading um what's uh what's a book that you would gift a friend or that you've gifted to a friend um i think a couple that i read recently um there's this one um i think a lot of people like just want to say um, ta-nehisi coates between the world and me um oh, yeah. yeah i actually got into his stuff i read an article he did on um kanye west which was just mm-hmm. next level writing. I was like, man, I need to read more from this dude. But that, that's an amazing book. Um, and that inspired me heaps when I started uni. Um, so here's one. Uh, there's this one range by this guy, David Epstein, which I, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually got a lot of, get... yeah, I got a lot out of that because it was, um, had the, a lot about like, I mean, the whole book, the main thing about the book is a different idea to that. Um, oh, it's only, you focus on one thing and that's it. And it's sort mm. of like seeing how people who have a lot of different, are into a lot of different things actually really succeed at something and a lot of the time succeed later in life, you know, which is mm. like um, connected with me on that. Like the start of the book's about the difference between uh, how Tiger Woods grew up to just, you know, everything's golf mm. as opposed to Roger Federer who was into like different sports and had it into music and all this kind of stuff and they reckon mm. how that they both killed it but in different ways um mm. so that book I, I really loved and probably my this one i just recently read was this guy um 
and I think this like should be taught in schools, but there's this book called The Myth of Race um, by this guy, Sussman. Um, and it's just like a timeline of race. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. this should just like how the, the concept of race came about, you know? And it's, you know, it's not a opinion. It's just like, this is, this is um, how we came to this point about race, thinking of race, you know? Um, and I think that should be like taught in schools probably. Like, I think that's a massive issue is people, you know, the difference between race being a, people think it's sort of this like biological uh, division when it's really a, an idea, race is an idea, you know? So that, uh, yeah, I love that book. So about, yeah, any of those three. I think you might have actually recommended that range one. Right, yeah, yeah. It was one on my, on my Goodreads list. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's good. I liked it. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. I eh? like the, because um, there is that, that concept, you know, that perception out there of, you know, to be good at a thing and, you know, you have to, like, and someone said it to me the other day, like, you know, you can only do one thing you know you can do one thing good in life right like that you know you need to focus on a thing you know you yeah. need your 10,000 hours 10, 000, whatever, yeah, yeah. Master, yeah, master that thing and it's like well actually like it, it kind of depends again on what your what your um motivation is right like if your motivation is the process of of doing that thing and you you love actually doing it mm. like you can do as many things as you want like as many things as you have time to to spend on that thing and that was one thing i found with with music and you know this turn this podcast into um you know perceives reminiscence of his um you know when he went when he tried to go hard in his record <laughs> um you know it was that like realization of i only need to do music to enough to process the things that are at the top most you know that, that, that are topmost in my mind or my heart um like that's what i'm using music to do to process those things yeah um, so i kind of went super hard right after I had my car accident because I had a bunch of shit that obviously I needed to process um, after that. Uh, but then I kind of realized that, like, that's all I need to do. Like, I don't need to um, have any kind of actual career success. Or yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. out every quarter or whatever. Um, and but, but, you know, if I had followed that belief, that conventional wisdom of, you know, I should be honing in on this on this rap thing and just doing that. Yeah. Then I would have never started trying to write fiction or doing you know the other things that I do at the moment. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like um, yeah. When it, if it didn't work out, then you're just like, oh shit. Now now I have to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but it, what am I? Yeah. Yeah. And but that book is sort of like has a lot of these examples of people that like um, who did the Harry Potter books? J.K. Rowling is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, like how she had done all these other jobs, but and then at like forty or whatever, she wrote Harry Potter. But all these other mm. jobs had she'd sort of taken little bits from all these jobs that got her to that point, you know? Mm. And she was just, and yeah, I I think that I think they're both kind of right, but it's how they work for different people, you know? Yeah, and um, there's interesting things in that book, like how you measure, well, like things like. <laughs> like people who leave university or something and there's this idea of failure when as it's actually if you realize you're not it's not what you want to do it's the right thing to do you know but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and how they there's this funny put in it how they measure it's guys like some marine when you become a marine or something and it tests 
these um how they test them out and they put them through these like real grueling like uh physical tests but they're like it doesn't actually test whether they're going to be like good marines it just tests that they can yeah, like yeah. are real good at like grinding through pain for a while and i think it showed that the guys that got the highest score on that would often be the ones that would um leave because yeah they were gone within two years yeah and they'd be confused like why'd they get the highest score and then they didn't mm. it wouldn't work out because like the actual test is what are you actually testing like you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. there's no yeah. like um exact just because they're good at that doesn't mean they're going to be good at this you know so yeah, mm. I, yeah I like that yeah. book um and then just a couple of uh just all-encompassing universal questions what would you tell 21 year old sam <laughs> oh fuck a lot of shit but um remember i, I knew 21 <laughs> yeah 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 probably just i mean in a broad sense it's just like uh to focus more i guess like um yeah it's a hard thing to say like but it would be just like be more focused in what you're doing um that might be might sound kind of like random but i think you're just kind of like when you're young you just kind of like cruise along and you know mm. I, I guess there's later in life you're like you could have done more you know so yeah, yeah. just sort yeah. of be more apply yourself more i guess you know because yeah life's short you know just yeah be more focused that was it mm, that's the and that's the that's the learning right like you don't like when you're 21 life goes on forever yeah 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 exactly 21 you're like man yeah i'm gonna be this age for like the next 40 years probably you know yeah. <laughs> you, you never think you just think you're always gonna be 21 you know then when yep. you hit 30 30 shit goes real fast eh? you're like yeah, yeah how yeah. am i already 36 but and and for everybody else too right like um you know like i won't get too too somber on it but um you know i have on my my blackboard a quote saying that um you know make the most like, like everyone you love will die uh, mm. enjoy your time with them yeah uh, yeah, yeah. And that, like telling that to a 21 year old me or a 21 year old you would be like oh, oh calm down <laughs> yeah, yeah. um because you don't realize how true that is and you know that those the 10 years or nine years between 21 and 30 like you could be spending all of those um you know with people you love or doing things you love or whatever. yeah 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 and i think that's what i mean by focus like Mm. yeah yeah it's not that like oh man you should have like achieved way more it's just sort of mm. been like yeah i guess that's the one word i think of like um yeah be just make the most of um time more yeah mm. yeah and i'm probably uh biased by uh like i said i caught up with um jace tepatu yesterday and we talked heaps about mindfulness and it's really it's really just that right like if, if I was giving the same advice to twenty-one-year-old me, it would be that that be mindful. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a word. Yeah, that's the same same idea. I think. Yeah, and but again, like when when I was twenty-one, like what is mindful? Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm I meditate every day now. Like you're not you're not telling twenty-one-year-old me nothing. Um, <laughs> but even you've actually invalidated yourself the minute you said that you meditate every day. So don't don't talk to me. <laughs> Um, exactly, but it wasn't much meditation happening on Cuba Street back in the day. No, no, no it wasn't. <laughs> not, not a lot of next door to indigo. Um, 
All right, last um, last question. If you could insert one thought in the mind of everyone in Aotearoa, what would it be? One thought. Um, I guess I guess what I try to uh, tell myself the most is sort of like yeah, be be more sort of like empathetic in general. Um, like I thought, like a good way to explain it was when I went to the states. Um, you know. You know, when you, a lot of time when I drive, you drive and someone does something dumb in front of you and you just like mm. beep your horn and you're real pissed off at them and you're like, that, that person's an idiot. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing? And, you know, yeah. I still feel like that. But then when I was in the States and I drove around and I didn't, I, I didn't, was driving on the wrong side of the road. I found it really hard. And um, yeah. I do mental shit while I'm driving. And then uh, quite a lot of the time people would just like stop. And then they just kind of mm. look at me and they wouldn't actually get that mad. They were just like, oh, what is, okay. But I thought of that was real different to New Zealand. I don't, we got mad road rage here. But it kind of made me think like, oh, yeah, it put me in that position. Like, mm. I, they are actually probably, I, I'm just having a hard time turning around or something and, and they're not going crazy at me. And then it changed my thinking to like, now when I see someone doing something mental, it kind of goes through my head first, like, they're not trying to do that, <laughs> you know. They're, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're not. They're not doing this. I'm gonna get him. now. Oh, here comes Sam. Fuck, I'm sick of this. You know. <laughs> Fuck, watch me do this and piss get him up. off. You know. Um, where I'm, so, a dick. I'm yeah. such a dick. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of like a way of explaining how to like think of other people's think about other people before jumping to conclusions and just thinking about other people more in general, you know, than just yourself. Mm. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. try to think more with empathy. Yeah, I mean, think more with empathy, and that's funny. Eh? Like, and you notice that wherever you go, right? Like, um, like I definitely noticed it in the states, um, the whole the traffic thing, and uh, and then when you get into like, uh, like into Turkey and the like, the the roads there were just bananas. But same thing, like you know, you people would just switch lanes, and the cars behind them. I was like, whoa! Like cars <laughs> behind them didn't even beep. Like nothing. No. It was just like. Like I think, I think in New Zealand we have a real, um, uh, like we just we've got a, in, in heaps of different ways we're a super immature society, right? Like in in actual age, like we're we're young as compared to heaps of other places, and I think that's like our road, our traffic culture is super immature, and so we yeah. we still just we don't think of anybody except ourselves on the road. We're like, I mean that person just just cut me off whereas it, it always seems like these other places like turkey and in asia and um and in the states like they actually think as a system and as a society on the road whereas yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, like it's me here that's it like what are you guys doing on my road Get <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah that guy's nowhere near as good a driver as i am obviously like <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I know man but that's why the, it was just this one moment when I was over there. I was like, "Oh, true. That's how it must feel to be." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not actually yeah. just this like mad competition where we all have to like go nuts at each other. New Zealand's probably a little bit as well. We're not very confrontational, and then when you're in a car, you can yeah, have a, you can have beef and then drive off straight away. You know, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, it's yeah. like you can exert, never happened. You can exert the aggression. Yeah. We should. They should just be rapping more next. Time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Need more channeling. Need more contained, contextualized channeling. There you go. Yeah, three time, C's. Next time someone honor. yells at you on the road, just tell them they need to make a song. They need to <laughs> rap it to me. Rap it to me, or, or it doesn't count. Yeah. 
<laughs> mean. Well, that's uh, that's the end of our of, of my questions, bro. Did you have anything else you, you know, anything else that kind of uh, snuck in or came to you while we were having a yarn that you want to share? You have literally just shared the one thing you want to put in everybody's mind <laughs> in New Zealand, so that might be enough. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm good, bro. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Good to catch up. Mean, yeah, bro. Well, thank you for thank you for sharing, and thank you for um, yeah, like I said, being a role model um, for all of our our. Uh, Manawatu and uh, and Pacifica and Halfcast and you know people who look brown and look like they might have stolen that magazine um, <laughs> yeah. out there that see you doing see you doing choice stuff and and loving your life because whatever the genre is and whatever the um, the pathway is like that's the that's the thing that matters right like um, like you said life's short and you might as well enjoy it so it's choice to see you role modeling that and. And showing us that we can do it. Well, good man. Nah, thanks, bro. Thanks for that. Kilda Ihoma, Peter. Again, one last thing before you go. Uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast player so that you can hear about the new episodes as we release them. Uh, and if you know anybody else that you think might enjoy the Kōrero, uh, please leave a review either in iTunes or your podcast player uh, to let others know what the podcast's about, what the Kōrero is about, uh, and that it's worth their time listening to. Kia ora.